I don't know about you, but it's always an encouraging time when the outdoor shows start. In January, you know, you see the boat show comes through and then the Northwest Camping Show and all that. And they're like a promise that summer is coming. And I always like to see the ads for them. Um, And it made me start thinking, I really would like to go, I think, go back to the Boundary Waters again this summer. But I've learned something about going to the Boundary Waters. If you have the right equipment, it makes all the difference in the world. And I guess if you know what you're doing. So if you know how to read a map, and you have a map, you know how to read a compass, and, and all of that, it makes all the difference in the world. If you have the right gear, even if it rains, you can stay relatively dry and have a good experience. Uh, all that equipment does make a huge difference and knowing how to use it. And without any of that, you can have a really bad experience and you could even die. Well, we've been talking uh, this year about our own journey. And that the truth is each of us is on a journey and we can call that life. But that journey of life does also include God and some spiritual component. And where are we at in that? I use this drawing of a tree on the first Sunday of this year to talk about our goal of helping everyone have good solid roots. And if we have those roots, that helps us be a solid tree in the sense of when life happens. And crises hit, the unexpected illness, death, all of those things happen. But what makes all the difference is how our roots are. And if we have solid roots, we can handle life. And with all of that, we'll grow. Uh, One of the things we talked about is, do we look different today than we did a year ago, spiritually, as a person? That's what God would like to have happen, that we're learning, we're growing, and we're different today than we were a year ago. And the challenge for all of us is, what will we look like December 31st of 2016? How will we have grown? And just like a tree, one of the results of anybody who's growing and healthy is we're going to bear fruit. In the sense of a sense, our lives have made a difference. We've touched some others, we've done some good, we've reached out, we've done some things where there's ripples flowing out of our life and others are different. Because we did put down our roots And we did become solid, and we were growing, and out of all of that, fruit happens, and our lives matter. We spent the last two weeks talking about prayer, because prayer is part of those roots. Prayer is one of the ways we go down deep with God. We talk with God, and we listen to God. And our relationship with God gets closer. And that's the stuff of strong roots that will carry us when life hits. Well, today we're going to look at one more piece of those roots. And that is the Word of God, the Bible. Because that is also a key part of any of us putting down roots for life. What we do with the Bible. 
I want to say right off, God's Word is awesome. And I realize if I went down to, to Riverdale and walked around or the Mall of America and said, God's Word is awesome, there'd be a lot of people who'd say, oh, there's one of those crackpots. I mean, we all know the Bible is this old, antiquated book. It's outdated. It's just myths. There's a lot of bad publicity about the Bible. But the wrong. The Word of God really is awesome. It is another way that we can hear from God, just as we talked about in prayer. One of the keys of listening to God and having Him involved in our life and speak into our lives is the Bible. I want to just throw out some reasons that I think the Bible is amazing. And it's such an important book for all of us. One is this math. I printed up the sermon notes and Natalie always proofs it before we print it. And she stopped and says, Jim, do we need to check this equation? No, this really is a true equation. And I want to explain it to you because to me it's part of the reason I say the Bible is an awesome book. The Bible is not one book. You, you may know that. If you don't, the Bible is actually 66 books collected into one bound book that we carry. And the reason I say 66 books, it was written at different times by over 40 different people. So you have over, over 40 authors writing that book that's in front of you. And those 40 authors weren't even all from the same language or culture. They really were from three different cultures and languages altogether. And they wrote these 66 books over 1,700 years. Now you think about that. Here's your assignment. You write 66 different books. You use 40 different authors. You have them do it in three different languages. And over 1,700 years and make sure it all agrees. You say, well, that can't be done. Can't happen. But it did. Because the ultimate author of the Bible is not 66 different people. The ultimate author of the Bible is God. One God, the same God. And so he was speaking consistently through all of those authors in all of those books. And they all hang together. You can read it from beginning to end and say, oh, I see this story. I see how this flows. I see where it's going. They all agree. Because that ultimate author is God. 2 Peter 1 talks about this in verses 20 and 21. Peter says, Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the human's own interpretation of things. It wasn't just people speaking what they wanted to say. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will. But prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. That's how the Bible was written, and that's why it all hangs together as one book. It was ultimately God moving these people, prompting them what to say. So that's part of why I would say the Bible is amazing. But there's some other things about the Bible. It, it's perfect. And what I mean by that is nobody has ever been able to prove the Bible wrong in any way. A lot of people have tried. 
In the 1800s, when there wasn't as much archaeology that had been done, there were cities in the Bible that nobody would heard of. There were events, there were rulers that nobody would ever heard of. And so a lot of people said, well, you can't trust the Bible. It's not true. And yet every time they started doing research, it's like, oh my gosh, there was a city by that name. Oh my gosh, there was a ruler by that name. And those events which are in the Bible are actually true. They're accurate. Some of the best commentaries you can still buy today were written by some of those people who started out to disprove the Bible. And when they were all done, they said, not only do I prove it, I am amazed by this book. So the Bible is perfect. It's also eternal. It's not going to go away. History is full of lots of people who've tried to wipe out the Bible. Governments who've tried to burn it, destroy it. Uh, rulers and emperors and kings who've forbidden anybody to read it, and they're all gone. But the Bible is still here. And after 2,000 years, it is still the top-selling book in the world. The Bible is amazing. It's complete. Now, you may disagree with me on this one, but I think it's true. The Bible has everything we need. Now, I say you'll disagree with me. Every one of us wish there's a few more details in a certain area. God, could you at least have told me what I do about this? But God in his wisdom said, I, here's everything you need. There's some other things you're going to have to wrestle with, but that's good. That's healthy. I want you to wrestle, stretch. I'm giving you everything you need to know everything you need to know for life and the future. Everything we need in it is complete. And I think one of the cool things about the Bible, it's understandable by everyone. The first, second, and third graders in rock solid can read the Bible and get it. And yet what is so awesome is those first, second, and third graders get it. And yet the wisest scholar is still learning things after decades of studying the Bible. On the one hand, it is so simple. And on the other hand, it is infinitely complex. And you can spend your whole life studying it and still learn more things. Now try and write a book like that. It is, to me, another one of the evidences that it's a God book. And it's an awesome book. And it has a power all of its own. I love the movies where there's some magic book. You know, and you read this book and stuff starts happening. Earthquakes and all this. Different movies have all had these magical books. And Hollywood loves to create stories about that. But, you know, we read from Isaiah 55... There really is a magical book. It's the Bible. What it, God says, I will send out my word, and it won't come back to me till it does what I sent it out to do. Because my word has a power all its own, and just reading it, things start happening. Lives start changing. Decisions are made. Clarity is given. All kinds of things start happening in people's lives when they just read the Bible. Now that's humbling for people like me because I want to say, well, you really need a preacher around. You need a teacher around. You need somebody to explain it. That's not true. That's not true. And we're recording this. God says, just read it. You don't need anybody else in the room. By reading it, things start happening. And I want you to file that away for later in this sermon. 
Because that's an offer God makes to you. Just start reading it, and things will start happening in your life. So for all of those reasons, I would say the Bible is an amazing book, an awesome book. But I also want to talk about what it can do for us, what it can do for you. And I've listed in the notes several things that the Bible can do for you if we'll open it. The first thing is it's personal communication from God. This is one of those magical things about the Bible. Because it was written for people 2,000 years ago, 3,000 years ago. But what happens is if we read it today, it's like God still speaks through it. You read a paragraph or two and you realize there's something in there God's saying to me. It is still his living personal communication to each of us as we read it. And that's one of the things it gives us. Just as much as praying helps us communicate with God, reading his word and listening to it also helps us have our own communication with God. It's also a guide for our path. Psalm 119 says, Thy word is a lamp for my feet, a light for my path. I love phones now. The smartphones, because they have a flashlight app on them, and that little light turns on, and when you don't have a flashlight, it sure is handy. That's the Bible. That's what David said. You know, I read the Bible, I turn it on, ah, it helps me see. It helps me know where to go, where not to go. It, it helps guide my path in decisions, in choices, in priorities, all of those kinds of things. Opening that Bible helps light up where I'm trying to walk and helps me not stub my toe and fall on my face. The Bible does that, which is directly linked to the third thing. It is a source of truth. We live in a day when truth has become pretty foggy, pretty fuzzy. On the one hand, you got people saying, I know the truth, listen to me. And three years later, it's like, oh, well, I wasn't quite right. Let's change that. Here's a new truth for you. You can build your life on this. And five years later, oh, I was wrong. Here's a new truth. And so truth keeps changing. And then beyond that, we have the postmodern thinking that says, everybody gets to pick their own truth. And that's true for you, but it's not true for me. That is, I... I have to confess to you, that is one of the most amazing things I have ever heard spoken out loud. The concept that truth is arbitrary. Truth is a fact. We don't get to vote on truth. It's, gravity is gravity. Like it or not, it's not you get gravity, I don't want gravity, so I don't have it. Good luck with that. Jump off a cliff if you don't want gravity. See how it goes. Truth is truth. And there is one source of truth that is always accurate. It is always right. It never changes. And that's the Bible. We can always go there. And if we read it there, it'll be true next year. It'll be true in the next decade. It'll be true in the next century. And it will always work for us. Truth is for us. It is that map, that compass I need in the boundary waters. 
So I know where I'm heading, and I know where true north is. And if I got those two things, I can go anywhere in the boundary waters. Without them, I'm lost. Because those islands all start to look the same, and that inlet that has that portage, where in the heck is that inlet? And those of you who've been there know how hard those things hide. But with a map and a compass, I find it. That's what God's Word gives us, truth. It is also protection. This one is a little fun because the biggest protection, honestly, is from ourselves. We've all done it. We have this new idea and we think it's the greatest thing or this thing we want. I got to have this. I got to have this. Or I want to do this or whatever. And the truth is, sometimes we need protection from ourselves, don't we? Protection from our ideas, protection from what we want to do. Hebrews says an interesting thing. The Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Please catch that last phrase of what the Bible can do for us. The truth is we all get subjective about ourselves. We all have great ideas that in truth are stupid. We all want to do things that in truth is destructive. Who can help us filter out what really is good from what's not? One of the best filters is the Bible. I'm considering doing this, or I want this. Well, what's the Bible say about that? And if the Bible says run the other way, guess what? You ought to run the other way. No matter how much you want to do something, the Bible's helping filter your heart and your desires and to see what's really good from what's hidden and really destructive. The Bible also encourages us. It explains life, it explains the difficult parts of life, and it gives us promises. Promises of what God will do, promises of what we can count on. There's all kinds of promises in there that give us hope, that encourages us in the tough times of life. I would suspect most of us at some time have needed to hear the words of the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. We need those words of encouragement. We need those promises. And they're there waiting for us. Because that's part of why God has given us the word to encourage us. All of these things help us put down roots. As we pray and as we open the Word of God in our lives, we're putting down roots that we're going to need for life so that we can be solid even though there's a storm. That we can be solid and we can handle life. And we grow because we take in the Word. So how do we do that? To understand why in the world I put this up there, you need to see Jeremiah 15, 16. Jeremiah said, when your words came, I ate them. 
They were my joy and my heart's delight. For because I bear your name, Lord God Almighty. There's an interesting process there. He says, I'm yours, God. You are my God, my King, my Father. Therefore, I'm your child. I've taken your name. And if you're my God and I'm your child, I want to hear what you got to say. I want to take in your word. I want to eat it. It goes inside. It becomes a part of me. And when I eat it, guess what? Wow, this is good. This is good food. We've all done that. Tried some food. I'm not sure. We taste it. Ooh, this is really good. I want more. That's what Jeremiah experienced as he ate the word of God. He took it in. This is really good stuff. One more scripture in the New Testament. Colossians 3.16 Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. Both of these verses talk about taking in that word so that it can do all of those things we listed in our lives. So how do we do that? Well, the obvious beginning point is reading the Word. Opening it up and reading it. And I want to challenge you with something today. It is, I would tell you, it's more important to develop a habit of regularly reading the Word than it is how much you read. If you can only read one paragraph, read that every day. Develop that habit of opening the Word. Now, we live in a wonderful day and age where we have lots of resources. There are printed Bible reading plans. And we have a table out here, and there's some on it. The Discipleship Journal Daily Reading Plan is an example. We've printed up copies for you. But most of us are now using electronics. And you've seen this around the church. We have... Sermon notes are electronically available. Uversion, Bible.com. I put it in the notes. I would guess Uversion has over a hundred different daily Bible reading plans. Some of them only last three or four days. And some of them last a whole year. Some are topical. Some are just the New Testament. Some are the whole Bible. There's just so much variation there. There's something that will fit you to help you Open the Word every day. You don't need to use this. This is just an aid to help you. The point is opening that Word and letting the magic of that book start to flow into your life as you read it. Maybe for you it's a daily devotional book like uh, uh, Our Daily Bread. Whatever helps you open that Word and hear some of it every day, that's what you want to do. The second thing I would suggest to you is make sure you're taking in some Bible teaching where people are explaining the Bible to you and you're understanding it better. You're digging deeper into the Word. Sunday school classes, our Wednesday night classes. Maybe you're listening to some good biblical teaching online. A small group of some sort so you sit around and talk about the Word together I think is so important. What do you understand? How do we live this out? What's that going to look like? Those are all important questions that help us take in the Word and apply it in our lives. I'm going to stretch you one more way, and that is to memorize some Scripture. 
we printed up for you. We did this a few years ago, and we brought them back out. Scripture memory cards. Now, I know a bunch of you are saying, uh uh-uh, I don't memorize stuff. Well, that's, excuse me, hogwash. You all know all kinds of passwords and usernames. Uh, we can all memorize. There's actually three little articles. We've printed copies for you back there of you can memorize Scripture. <laughs> so for you doubters, pick up those articles. You can memorize Scripture. This is one of the best ways to do it. The verse is on one side, the reference is on the other. You look at the reference, it reminds you, and you check it out. Oh, yeah, that's what that is. You can test yourself. Carry these around your pocket. We've got four to start with. Four scriptures, basic key scriptures. My hope is, my plan, we'll continue this. And every few weeks we'll add a couple more verses. Memorize these. They are life-changing. And here's the really cool thing. You're at work, you're driving, you're in a conversation. You can't necessarily whip out a Bible. You've memorized this, you don't need to. It's in your head. And that's also how the Holy Spirit can work on your life more. Because you're not thinking about this, but the Holy Spirit is, and you're in a situation or facing a decision, and the Holy Spirit will bring to mind that Romans 12, 2 that you memorized. And now you're saying, oh, shoot, I shouldn't have memorized that. Because the Spirit uses it to give you a road map that says, whoop, turn left here. You don't want to go to the right. You want to go to the left. And Scripture guides your path because you put it in your head so the Holy Spirit can use it. So I want to challenge you to pick up some of these cards. We've printed 50 of each. I would love for us to run out and have to print more for next week. So that we're memorizing some of that scripture. So it's in our heads. So it can be a a, a flashlight for us to see all of the things that God wants to do in our lives. So how are you with this book? Are you rooted I ask you to keep the connection cards. There's a place on there. What do I need to take home? What do I need to do about this? I'd like to ask you to think about that. What one thing are you going to do? New? More? To take in the Word. We ask about prayer the last couple weeks. What about the Word? What are you going to do? And the writing it down isn't so we can check up on you. We're not going to check up on you. But you know what? We all know the simple act of writing something down helps us do it. So I want to challenge you to write it down. What are you going to do to take in more of the Word? Because if you do, your roots are going to go deeper, and the storms of life will affect you less because the Word of God is in your life. And it is powerful. It will accomplish in your life what God wants it to do because it's the word of God let's pray Father thank you for your word many people have died in the writing of your word the protection, the preservation of your word, the translating of your word and we're the beneficiaries, we have your word in our own language thank you for that Thank you for your word and its power. 
Help us be wise so we take advantage of it, that we eat the word. So it is inside us and it is changing us, making us closer to you, better people, more like Christ, ready to handle the storms of life. Thank you for your word. In your son's name.